The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about creating a legacy. And that legacy, you might say, well, how does that relate to conflict healing? Well, we learn a lot from our parents and we get a lot from them, and then we create a maybe a different life or, or incorporate the good stuff that we've learned from our families, and then we pass it on to our children. And this is a way to heal conflict and heal ourselves. And we have a wonderful book. And of course, we have a wonderful guest who we both know, and we've known him from the InSpirit Center. We love him. He's a wonderful man. And let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Haider Zahed who was born and raised in India and the youngest of four children. Education was the cornerstone in his immediate and extended family. And as far back as he could remember, he had a dream of pursuing higher education and living in the United States. And so while he was growing up, his parents were the best role models that he could ask for. So he was very lucky about this. And they helped him create his legacy model, which is a foundation of living a life full of love, generosity, gratitude, and compassion. And in a couple minutes, we're going to have him explain what those all mean to him. Most of his education was completed in America all the way through earning a doctorate degree in the sciences. And his career was predominantly in the pharmaceutical industry. He was fortunate enough to travel throughout Europe, Middle East, and South America. And these visits and these travels um, really helped him to see the world and learn about how we are alike and different as humans. And he has learned from that. Basically, he has gleaned the four basic positive virtues that he wrote about that are really global from all of his travels. And you can learn more about him at our website at conflicthealing.com, but also at his website at Dr. Z legacy.com and we're going to just talk to him now so thank you Heider for joining us it's my pleasure Mari thank you for having me I love the cover of your book and your gorgeous daughter on the front this is just really something creating your legacy so the name of the book is create your legacy four portals to living a life of love and caring so Heider tell us why is it that you decided to write this book I had Started, uh, you know, these are values that, uh, you know, I had learned from my parents, Marie. And uh, 
to start with, let me let me say I had started out a life quite adequately, handling all its aspects with active vigor and the necessary commitment. I was happy and content. Out of nowhere came three life changes for me. First came the dissolution of my 22-year marriage. Second, a corporate reorganization, which caused a loss of my job. And third, I uh, the third was I suffered a, a major heart attack mm. while I was uh, working out at the gym. What I had set my mind, my heart was all crushed at that time. This was the time when I decided that the only way for me to come through these difficult circumstances without bitterness, unspoiled, still a loving, grateful, generous, and compassionate person, I had to reach into my deepest and indispensable resources. So in writing this book for myself, for my posterity, for friends, colleagues, and the world at large, I gained the serenity in my soul to come home to at night and go out from in the morning. Now, who doesn't need that? <laughs> and, you know, I think, isn't that really true about that we have to go through a dark night of the soul to transform, to really get to that deepest part of who we are so that we can transform and then help our friends and family and the world to transform? I mean, it, it, it without those three things, those were terrible at the time, but exactly. they were a great gift for, for you, weren't they, Hyder? Exactly, exactly. I look at it like if those things hadn't happened, I would be a different person. Yes. I like who I am at the moment, and uh, so there's a blessing right there. And, and they say, you know, the greater the pain, the greater the growth, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think that's what's so sad for young people that we hear that commit suicide, that they go through dark nights of the soul and they don't have hope. They don't know that they can get through it. They don't know that there's something on the other side that is really a higher consciousness, an evolution, a, a, a great growth challenge, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what, when you go through these things, you learn about life. You also learn to be happy. Yes. And when that happens, I, you know, I know nobody can take that away from me because I have learned how to live. Happily. Yes. And you have to go through the real sadness, the real hurt, the real pain, the real fear to get to the other side. Exactly. Exactly. So um, what made you choose this title, Create Your Legacy? Well, because uh, that is the, the message in my book, too, um, you know, when people think of legacy, we often think of, you know, leaving homes, cars, property for our children. The, the message in this book is if you live a good life, a virtuous life, a life filled with love, generosity, gratitude, compassion, you will have a good legacy, a legacy that will go on forever. And, uh, and that's the legacy that I, my parents had left for me, and uh, that's the legacy I wanted to uh, one of the things that happened to me, Mari, is I was writing a few things for my daughter. I had written about 28, 30 pages uh, so that how she would remember me as, as her dad. Uh -huh. And after doing that, it, it, I started to think that uh, actually a friend of mine was looking, flipping through the pages. He was at my house one day, and, he, and I told him I'm writing this for my daughter. And he told me, you know, this is something that 
other people can benefit from it. And uh, so <laughs> that, that was the beginning of my uh, thinking about being an author and writing this book to share with my friends and, uh, you know, all the readers at large. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about these four major chapters, which really you you say basically are the mainstays of life, and they're the things that that really leave a legacy. Let's talk about first of all as love as a virtue. Okay, can we talk a little bit about oh, that? Oh, uh, absolutely. And uh, you know that is the uh, among the four virtues of love, generosity, gratitude, and compassion. Love is. Uh, number one. And uh, the way I define love is just love everyone without any reservation, which is known as agape love, a love where you honor the divinity in another human being. You express love always, uh, you know, just like deep listening is kind of love for me. Yes. And spending time with your loved ones and being present physically and mentally, you know, people play with their kids. They're around, but they're thinking about work or, or telling the kids, you know, just play with your toys or, or just, you know, I'll buy you a computer and you, you know, you can play games. Right. No, kids need to be there. They need to, you need to share the love with them and being present with them is one of the most wonderful things yes. that, that you can do. To really connect Instead of like connect with yeah, children. connect, exactly. uh, sit down with them and talk right. to them and hear yeah. them. And when you talk about deep listening and love, yeah, absolutely. That yeah, kids want you to be around them all the time, right? <laughs> or, or whatever time you have. What I'm saying is just just be there physically and mentally with them. Right. When you are with them, I mean, they know you have to work, but then when you're home, don't just go and put on the the TV or just sit in front of the computer, but to really be with them. Exactly. And, exactly. you know, that's not always so easy nowadays because the kids are sitting there with their smartphones. I know. that's Yeah, or they are texting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> brothers and sisters in the same house are texting each other. Uh, and I, I, I think we, we need more of personal interaction at this point. Yeah, and I think sometimes just getting them out of the house and taking them on a trip or something, you know, where you go somewhere, get out of the house, get away from the computer, put the cell phone or the smartphone in, in your backpack or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah that, that's my fear is that, that we're not communicating at that deep level that you're talking about. And, and that is something that I worry about. So that, that's a beautiful one. Let's talk about the second one, generosity. Yeah, generosity. A lot of people think generosity is always about money or about your wallet. It's not. Basically, uh, you know, a simple smile to a stranger is an act of generosity. Giving time when you can, spending time with the elderly, or helping charitable organizations, volunteering for charitable organizations, and being kind to others. These are some of the examples of non-material generosity. Right. And even if you don't have the money to give, you can do something. You can go over to it, a friend's it, house. You know, like if they're if they're experiencing one of those dark nights of the soul like that you've went through and I've gone through and just just to be there, 
just to be present, maybe not even to say anything, right. you know, just to be there and hold somebody's hand or stroke their head or something. Um, that that's that's a generous thing to do too, and that's that's a very non-material that that people forget about. They think, well, I don't have any money to do anything for anybody. That that's right. That's right. Uh, and 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 there's these are very simple things. You know, just putting a smile on a child's face is just you know a, a, that is absolutely wonderful if you can do that. Yes. Then the next one is gratitude. Yes. This is this is one of the most important ones, and I am telling you, gratitude is one of those things that uh, allows you to be happy in life. And as the principal, I'm talk I'm talking about gratitude as um, you know, we should always live in gratitude at all the times and be thankful for all our blessings. Create a gratitude list, a list of blessings that you are grateful for. Before you go to bed, think of five things you are grateful for. What I'm saying is there's always something that one can be thankful for, and we should not forget our blessings. Yes, and when you when you are in that attitude of gratitude, it gets you happier, too. Exactly. Uh, yeah, this exactly. morning. I think it's a yeah. key to happiness. It, it, it is. Um, I had an early morning meeting this morning, and I was driving, and it was so beautiful. I was looking at the mountains, and I was looking at the trees, and I was just saying, oh, God, I'm so grateful to be living in a place that has these beautiful mountains and these beautiful trees and the beautiful colors and the blue sky. And, you know, I mean, by the time I got to my meeting, I was just so happy (laughs) that it was so beautiful. But I know I have friends, you know, I both have like an Janita and Michael, our friends, and every night before they go to sleep, they say three things that they're each happy for and they're grateful for. And so, um, you know, Lloyd and I try and remember to do that, too. And it really, I do think it's a nice way to go to sleep where you are really peaceful and you're happy. And I think it's good before you go to sleep, especially and and early in the morning, you know? Yeah, I I think so. I I do it in the morning. I do it before I get up. And that's a wonderful way to start the day. Yes. Yeah. Could do both of them. Now, I know that you had a a near-death experience when you were eight years old. Yeah, living in gratitude reminded me of of a near-death experience I had when I was only eight years old. Uh, Can I share that with you? Yes, please do. When I was eight years old, I was run over by a car near my school. To this day, I recall looking up at the engine and feeling the heat as I lay helplessly pinned under the car. I became unconscious. Eight hours later, when my eyes opened, (laughs) I was at the hospital. I saw my mother and the school principal by my bedside. My mother noticed I had opened my eyes. She was overcome with intense relief and joy. She embraced me, crying intensely. These were her tears of joy that I had survived this freak accident. Now, if the injuries had been serious enough to handicap me in any way, that would have been the worst fate for me. Being handicapped in India would have rendered me abnormal for life with no hope in sight. So to this day, I remember that horrific accident as a time when I was given a second chance at life. The point I'm trying to make is that we should engage in gratitude 
not only in the present, but also count all the blessings that we have ever received throughout our lives. So, Hyder, when do you remember at any time that you went through a tunnel, or did you actually have any any uh, recollection of almost going to the other side? Did you? I have no. I'm. Uh, it was. It would be possible, but I absolutely don't remember because I, you know, I was just a little guy, a little at that time. Yeah. Yes, but I do remember that even looking at the engine and feeling the heat, and I still have a picture in in my mind of my principal and my mother standing next to me. First of all, as I saw them, you know, kind of blurry, you know. A blurred image. Right. I was looking at them, and I was thinking in my mind, "This is a bad combination here." <laughs> when the principal and your mom are together, you're usually in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but you, time. this was opposite. You weren't in trouble. You were, you were saved. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you know what? You were, you were meant to be saved, right? Everything happens for I a reason. I was meant to be saved. You were Thank meant God. to be saved at eight years old, so you could write this book, so we could be on this radio show together and have this good time. Right, right, right. <laughs> so let's talk about the, the next one, which is compassion. And yes. let's talk about what that means to you. Well, compassion, uh, the Dalai Lama said it best. If you want others to be happy, practice compassion. And if you want to be happy, practice compassion. What a wise man he was. Uh, now, one of the things about compassion that I see is you should not judge anyone anytime because everyone has a story to tell. If you see someone on the street asking for money and you feel you could spare a couple of dollars, don't ruminate about where or how this person might, have, might spend this money. We do not know or understand whether this person is hungry or needs to buy drugs. This kind of judgment is immaterial. If your generous intuition is compelling you to reach out, just do it without judgment calls. Without compassion, life can be sterile and lonely. With compassion, we feel safer, valuable, and necessary beings in the ongoing evolution of humanity. Compassion enables us to intimately experience the oneness and divinity of life. And that's how I feel about compassion. You know, it will be a uh, a pretty crazy world without compassion. Yes, yes. And I think that it's so easy for people to judge other people. You know, when you were talking about that, when you see somebody homeless or something, you might think, what's the matter with them? Are they mentally ill or... Or don't they have any uh, ambition? Or are they lazy? And that you, you hear know, that all yeah, the time. yeah. I've had somebody even tell me he probably has more money than you do stashed away somewhere. Right, right. And and so I mean, you you quote you say this quote in your book. You say um, how others treat us is their karma, and how we treat them is ours. So if they are, if you know, let's say they were fraudulently holding up a sign, you know, I need money for food or something like that, and you give them money, if if they do that and they are fraudulent, that's their karma, right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, exactly. and if we do something out of the kindness of our heart, it's our karma. So, yeah. 
and and do you think you know from you know from your background from India from your family what kind of um, thoughts do they have about karma? Oh, you know, in India, there are so many religions and so many faiths and beliefs, Mari. Each, each one has a different, uh, you know, take on, on uh, this kind of philosophy. Yes. Um, you know, one of the good things uh, growing up in India is I had Hindu friends, Sikh friends, Yes. Christians, Jains, and everybody else. Yes, yes. And the fun part for us as kids is, there was always somebody's religious <laughs> holiday we were celebrating. <laughs> right. So I only remember those good things and not as much about the, the philosophies or, right. or anything like that right. when I right. was little. Yes. But coming back to compassion, the way I, I, you know, just see what your intuition is. If your intuition says, just let's, you know, give this man some money, just go ahead and do it. You know, human beings are the only species we override our intuition because we try to become logical and, you know, go into analyzing things. Uh, so base, ba- basically, I, I, uh, that is really my pet peeve now. You know, when the, there are so many people, do you do see them on, on the streets. And if you feel like helping them, just do it. But don't go into this analysis as to why they are on the street corners. Yeah. And I think, you know, compassion really requires some bit of empathy. <laughs> and exactly. um, I th- sometimes it's, you know, it's overwhelming. You know, when I, when I see things on the news of kids suffering, I just sometimes, Hyder, I just feel so overwhelmed and so impotent. Like, I wish that I could win the lottery so I could help, you know, because I just feel I have this feeling of total impotence. Like I, you know, and so, you know, that that's something that we all have to work on is that we can do the little thing that we can do is a ripple effect, right? Mm -hmm. We can't do everything. We can't do everything. So how do we how do we deal with that compassion and and empathy, do we, you know, some people say, well, I can't do anything anyway, so forget it, I'm not going to do anything. Oh, no, we can't say that. There's always something you can, you can do. What I'm saying in this book is if you make these four, these four principles, if you live by that, you are always within the circle of legacy. So if there is nothing you, you know, you, you feel like I, I can't be helping everybody, but there's, you know, how can you not? You can volunteer and, you know, go out, like, you know, be generous. If you are don't feel generous, you can get into a gratitude portal and just be thankful for what you have. Any which way, if you stay within these four principles, you will be a, a happy, happy soul. That's, that's my philosophy. Yes, yes. So... What uh, what makes your book different from other books in the category of self-improvement? There are many self-help books available today, Mari, as you know. This book is different in that it is a spontaneous act of sharing my life and my values with my readers. And also, you may have noticed, it's a very well-researched book. Yes. The point is many of us do not fully recognize the invaluable and eternal truths in our lives. My truths have been love, generosity, gratitude, and compassion. 
Others may have similar or different truths of their own. Challenging events in all of our lives are the cutting edge that distinguish between success and failure. I recognize that wise people learn not to dread. They actually welcome problems as a means to grow, heal, and prevent the human spirit from getting destroyed. Yeah. I I love some of the key ideas that you have to remember about compassion. You talk about, um, you know, as a virtue, as a reward, um, spaciousness in relationship. What do you mean by compassion, spaciousness in relationships? Spaciousness in in relationships, I I am talking about, you know, there has to be a a spaciousness in, in everything, and you, you give others some place to, to grow. You give other people to think differently. You respect for who they are. You need to, and, and, and you look at putting yourself in their situation. I think you develop a sense of understanding for them. Like you, you say, you have to be, you know, have some empathy in you. And that's what I'm referring to in, in giving space to people for people to be who, who they are. Yeah, and we come from different perspectives, right? Exactly. We, like we, you... we, the, the perspective we have, we think everybody is looking at the whole world the same way, and that's, that's not the, the reality here. Right. It's like when you were saying that when you were a little kid, you grew up with people who were Hindu and Sikh and... Christian and all these different religions and, you know, to be respectful of all those. And, of course, you had fun because you get to do all those different holidays. But right. <laughs> no, no, no. That's why if you grow yeah. up in India, you learn to respect all religions. It doesn't cross your mind very much that somebody is different from you. And when you go, have you been back to visit since you were a little kid? Have you been back to visit India? I have not been back because, you know, my my relatives all came here, mm. and, uh, so I haven't had a chance to go, but I am planning to go, hopefully this year. Yes, yeah. I want to get back. Yes, this would be interesting to go back and see I know. how it you would look so at it. so different. It will be very different. Yeah. That's what I've been told. Yeah, yeah. How about global compassion? What, is, what does that mean to you? Well, you can start something that... Uh, you know, that will expand into a global uh, project, so to speak. You, you mm-hmm. start something little, and let me, let me think of what I had in my book here. You talk about here um, the intent combined with the action can allow us to make significant positive impact on, on mankind. So, you know, I'm thinking as we are compassionate just in our, with our intimate family, then with our community, right, and then that seems to spread that, you know, it's, it's, um, it's contagious. <laughs> it is, it is <laughs> contagious, and I have used that in, in, in the book, an example of uh, uh, Azim Kamisa, you know. Oh, yes, Azim because is wonderful. Because the tragedy of, of his son being killed, and he had started a scholarship, and he goes around uh, and he turned into a, a global compassion because yes. that word has been spread around yes. to other countries as well. And he takes time to going out to schools and talking about 
you know, that takes a lot of courage to do that, to to take this tragedy in his life and change that into a, a global compassion. And that's that's what I meant by that. You start something and you you never know where that will take you. Yes, yes. You know, so many times we see that um, for Erin Runyon. Remember her little daughter was killed and then she started a foundation to help uh-huh. protect little five-year-olds um, from sexual predators or like you say azim azim is so wonderful he's been on our show several times oh really oh yes and actually we've become friends and he uh presented at our mediation conference last year and there wasn't a dry eye in the whole house Um, oh really oh yeah so yeah he has taken the, the the pain that he has experienced and, and uh, turn it into that. But you know what? We are out of time. I just looked at the clock and we're out of time. So I just want to thank you so much, Heider, for being on our show and writing your book, The uh, Create Your Legacy by Heider Zaid. And we are just um, just going to give your website, Dr. Z Legacy. Dr. Z, yes, drzlegacy.com. Yes, thank you so much, Heider. We will have you back again and see you soon, my friend. Thank you so much, Mari. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI, 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. It's about trust. in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.